Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Here's another article. Somebody's bragging that 150,000 people in the state have now signed on to Obamacare. Well, really, what choice do they have? That's like someone at the Department of Motor Vehicles bragging about how many people have license plates. to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Welcome back, my friends. It's another week, another day, another episode of the Lions of Liberty podcast. This is episode number 82. Before we get into today's show, I want to take a second to let you know about Health Excellence Select, an amazing alternative to Obamacare, which utilizes health sharing to cover your medical costs. That's Health Excellence Select. For more information, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. My guest today is the co-founder and a practicing physician at the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, a medical facility which emphasizes price honesty in their practice. What a novel concept. Dr. Keith Smith, welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. Well, Dr. Smith, I'm glad to have you on here. And I've heard about your practice uh, on and off, I think, over the last few years. It's definitely something that's been on my radar, especially with the cost of healthcare skyrocketing. This is definitely a subject people are always talking about. And I really want to get more into how your practice really operates. But first, I want to learn a little bit more about you. So why don't you just start off by telling me how you first got into the field of medicine? What was your motivation to first become a doctor? Well, I think my first love was music. Um, And then I um, have an older brother who went to medical school, and that got me thinking about about medicine because I I think I was intrigued with the idea of um, a mutually beneficial exchange, and have been ever since I was very young. And it was just easier to connect the dots, but for me, between what service I was providing and how people could benefit from that, and how that mutually beneficial exchange could work in medicine. And then I also realized, you know, when I was having difficulty deciding between music and medicine, I could be an amateur musician, but I couldn't be an amateur doctor. So that was the only way <laughs> that was the only way that I could really really get to get to have both ways. Well, sure. In our system today, if you try to be an amateur doctor, you're going to find yourself in jail pretty quick <laughs> with, with with all the licensing you know schemes that our, our government has. But you know, so so what did you find along the way here? You know, what needs out there did you see that weren't being met? What problems did you see arise that spurred you to kind of start break off and start uh, your own center here, the Surgery Center of Oklahoma? Well, in the early 90s, I was working in the big hospitals, and it was, it was clear that the prices were going up and quality was going down, and, and I'd begun to read enough economics that I knew that that's not really the, the way that free market industries trend. I mean, typically, if there's a healthy and free market, there's good competition and quality soars and prices drop, and I don't know really of any exceptions to that. So, 
I knew something was wrong. I just knew that the market was really not at work in any area of medicine other than plastic surgery. And, and then much later, uh, it's obvious that it's at work in LASIK surgery. So it, I, I wanted to practice medicine uh, true to what were becoming my more and more uh, free market uh, beliefs and philosophy. And that led us, Steve Lonte and I, to open the Surgery Center of Oklahoma because we thought, you know, we can do this better, and we believe we believe in the principles of the market, and and we believe that we can bring high quality, uh, affordable healthcare to people, and we've been vindicated. Now, tell us a little bit more about how the Surgery Center of Oklahoma actually operates. How are you able to function so differently from how you know so many doctors and hospitals and similar facilities? function. You know, you actually, uh, it's an amazing thing. You go to your website and you can actually click on prices and see what surgeries cost, which really seems like, you know, it seems like a duh, of course you can, but that's not really how medicine works in the United States for the most part. You're very unique in that sense. So how are you able to go about providing these services, offering prices that are uh, at very competitive, I think probably the best you'll find in the U.S. for these services and at such high quality? Well, the secret is that we are completely owned and operated by the physicians who work here. And by virtue of that arrangement, we've eliminated from the mix the most greedy profit seeker from the equation, and that's the not-for-profit hospital. So we know what the, we know what the costs are uh, to, to deliver the care on the institutional side in our facility, and we've whittled that number down so that it represents really our cost plus a small marginal profit, unlike the big box hospitals who, who you know, basically see what they can get away with with their pricing. So if you take the institutional giant uh, just blood-sucking profit out of the institutional side, what you're left with is a price that looks very reasonable. And it's not the physicians, by and large, in the United States who are bankrupting people with their bills it's the hospitals. So have, having control of the facility allows us to operate the facility in a darn near not-for-profit uh, fashion where we, we recoup the cost of you know, performing these surgeries with a small marginal profit. And then the physicians are paid you know, fairly, uh, fairly for, what uh, for their professional components. Uh, Dr. Smith, there, something you said there that might strike many people as odd, the way you phrase it, is that you said that you know the, the greediest profit seeker out there in the medical industry is actually the not-for-profit hospital. So can you explain that, expand on that just a little bit more? How are these supposedly you know, non-profit institutions, what makes them so greedy? How are they just sucking all this money out of the system, out of our pockets? Well, when most people hear not-for-profit, they think exactly what the hospitals want them to think that they're not making a profit. What that really means is they're not paying any tax. And the these big hospitals, they you know, they issue these huge bills, these hundred thousand dollar bills, where they charge a hundred dollars for an aspirin. And then when they collect five dollars, they claim they lost ninety five dollars because they need all that red ink to maintain the fiction of this not for profit status and to avoid uh, you know being in the gun sites of the IRS so they don't have to pay any tax. So the you know, the not-for-profit is a, is a phrase in the hospital industry that, that really is, it, you know, it gets people thinking exactly what they want them to think, you know, that they're, you know, they're altruistic, you know, they're in this, you know, for the good of the health of everyone, and they're not making any money, when the truth is, they have so much money, they don't know what to do with it, most of them. These big hospitals are, 
engaged in hostile takeovers of physician practices and of hospital competitors and even starting their own insurance companies. And they, they have a lot of money. And they, all these emergency rooms that are supposedly bankrupting them that that provided the really the foundation for the argument of Obamacare. These emergency rooms that are all bankrupting them all have a crane in front of them building on, it seems, when you're driving around. So that this is a, there's a lot of propaganda. There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there, and not-for-profit is one of the one of my favorite phrases to bash because it's so misleading. I wonder if you can, from the viewpoint of a doctor, delve a little bit more into why medical costs are so incredibly high. Is it government policy, the, the cartelization of the industry? You know, what are the real factors here over the years that have seen uh, seemingly such an increase in cost of most basic medical care while definitely not seeing you know any kind of increase in, in quality at all? Well, the, the big corporate healthcare players, the corporate medical care industrial complex, they, over the course of years, have paid uh, you know, a lot of money for favors from Washington, D.C. that allow them to operate in a way that allows them to extract huge amounts of money from people that otherwise they would not in a free market healthcare system. So you have these hospitals that don't pay any tax. You have now, the inability of an individual to buy an insurance uh, policy with pre-tax dollars where his employer can. Uh, you have these insurance policies no one wants to buy that cover all these things no one really wants. You know, the, the market is not available and at work uh, in the healthcare industry by and large. And there's so many things that lead up to this. One of the most devastating people don't know about it is a legislation called the Hill-Burton Act that created uh, all of these government hospitals all over the country when at the time, almost all of the facilities and hospitals in this country were owned and controlled by the doctors who worked there. And so, you know, they were accountable to their patients for the cost, not only of their professional fees, but of the facility. This creation of these government hospitals was followed very shortly thereafter by the creation of the two programs that would line the pockets of these hospitals. So these, and that's Medicare and Medicaid. So rather than think of Medicare and Medicaid as federal programs that, you know, help the poor and the elderly, these programs were created so that these newly created government hospitals could more efficiently plug into the taxpayer trough. Then you have, uh, you know, go into the 90s and then you see the, the folks at Harvard and they deliver Rosemary's Baby, which is the resource-based relative value scale of healthcare, And that's where the central planners decide that they could just put a price on, you know, how much a cardiac surgeon should be paid for a coronary artery bypass or how much an internist should be paid for an office visit. And, you know, the government never gets it right. And they, you know, these basically turned out to be the price and controls they were intended to be. And so the, you know, the old people, the elderly, the people on Medicare find increasingly difficult access and the physicians who are saddled with these prices that are below market clearing price and the hospitals who, you know, they claim that, you know, they're not paid as much, you know, not paid their costs by Medicare and Medicaid. They use that as an excuse to really ravish, you know, and just ravage everyone else and bankrupt people. So all of these things are at work at front and center. The biggest, biggest culprit in all of this is the federal government because they've granted all these favors to these corporatists and have allowed them to act in these ways. 
Oh, you mentioned uh, you know Medicare and Medicaid, and I know a lot of people are, are on these programs. A lot of people are forced onto these programs because there, there's basically no alternative if you can't. I mean, now we have Obamacare, and there is a whole, little bit of a different situation. But uh, you know, do you guys take those those programs at your office? Do you accept Medicare, or Medicaid, or any of that stuff? No, we don't. I I stopped taking federal money in 1993. Wow. Um, it it felt wrong. You know, it felt like. Like I couldn't be one of those doctors in a white coat who said, yeah, I'm a big free market guy. And then the next day be on the steps of the Capitol waving my picket flag, you know, because I need more money for Medicare. You know, I need more money from the government. That seemed really inconsistent. And I and I'd read enough economics at that point. I realized the government didn't have any money. So by accepting money from Medicare, I was essentially taking it out of the wallet of my next door neighbor for the benefit of someone across town he didn't even know who could likely afford my service uh, and would pay me if it were a mutually beneficial exchange. So now we, we decided when we opened the surgery center, we really were going to, we were going to fly true and not take any federal money and be honest about our pricing. And the result has been a deflationary power and beauty of the market so that the prices that we have online, they're not just a fraction, like a tenth of what these so-called not-for-profit hospitals charge. But the prices we have online are less than what Medicaid actually pays these big hospitals. So the market works to the extent that people try to always thwart it. Um, and if we allow the market a little more leeway in healthcare, we'll see, you know, see the same thing you see the market do in every other industry. So you guys actually tried to uh, do this rare thing called uh, being morally consistent and trying to actually, you know, <laughs> you know, have your actions follow your words. So you're not just out there saying Medicaid's bad, Medicare's bad, and, and cash and checks all, you know, all the way to the bank in the meantime. You're actually trying to do more than talk about the problem. You're trying to be an active part of, of solving this problem and actually helping people, you know, get the medical care that they wouldn't otherwise be able to get necessarily or would have maybe a, a tougher time getting. Now, so who are your biggest clientele? Is it, is it people that aren't insured or is it people whose insurance are just not covering their costs as much? What kind of people are most likely to walk into the surgery center of Oklahoma? Well, the first patients that arrived when we put our prices online were Canadians. Hmm. Uh, because they're, they're waiting in line. You know, they have health coverage, uh, but they just don't have much access to care. Um, and then we have a lot of uninsured uh, people that come here. We made a name for ourselves as the fairly priced, high quality, you know, affordable place. Um, people with very high deductible insurance policies with health savings accounts. The largest part of our business now is coming from companies who have seceded from the normal insurance game, and they have self-insured. So they're actually paying for their employees' health care out of operational revenue, you know, shoving the big carriers aside and just making their own way. And they have that purchaser's sticker shock that is so absent in the health care where there's a, not much of a consumer market, although it's growing. So we have these um, companies that have you know, seceded from the normal insurance game. They're big, big players. And, and the fastest growing uh, population of patients coming here are, are patients that have these new Obamacare cards with these big deductibles uh, because they found that they can actually buy their surgery at our facility cheaper than they can get it if they use their insurance as a benefit where they pay their big deductible plus their copay at one of these big hospitals that's priced at eight or ten times what we have listed online. 
Yeah, that was kind of the breaking point for me uh, when it came to my insurance because I, I, I'm relatively young, relatively, uh, re- relatively healthy, and you know I'm a, I'm a freelancer. I don't work for a, a you know one more corporation that bought me insurance, so I've always bought my own insurance. And uh, you know, shortly after when the Obamacare regulations kicked in, I just had a very, I had purposely had a high deductible plan, you know, and a pretty low premium. But, uh, you know, Obamacare came in and more than doubled my premium. And not only that, they took my already pretty high deductible and made it even higher. Right. Uh, so, so suddenly I, I'm expected to pay twice as much a month and pay nearly twice as much of a deductible before I even see a dime of coverage. And that's when I kind of threw my hands up in the air and said, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. And I, I'm sure you've, you've heard about this stuff. You know, I, I do health sharing. I'm sure you've probably come across this concept uh, at some point, uh, or maybe you haven't, but we're actually sponsored by a health sharing company that we've developed a great relationship for, Health Excellence Select where you actually pay a fee every month, but those fees are directly parsed out to pay the self-paying medical bills of other patients, completely circumventing the kind of insurance. Are you familiar with that concept at all? Yeah, we're actually a favored destination of Samaritan Ministries and some other uh, healthcare sharing uh, ministries and outfits. It it makes so much sense for them to direct their uh, beneficiaries here. Uh, yeah, I'm very familiar with that. And, and the situation you're describing is... The really good news is that, you know, the government never really gets it right. You know, in this in this attempt to completely take over health care and they've offered as a gift to their insurance pals, these pro these uh, these insurance policies that have these huge deductibles. And and in doing so, they've created a consumer market because the deductibles are so high that a large part of what people are buying now that's called health care is coming out of their pocket. And so they have that sticker shock, and they're shopping, and they're asking, how much is this? And, and that's very deflationary. Just asking that question is very deflationary. So fortunately, the government never gets it right. And you're seeing, as you said, the deductibles and the co-pays go in the, in the premiums going through the roof. But the government really, very unintentionally, has created a new kind of monster, and it's called a healthcare consumer. And that is not what they had in mind, and it is not going to create uh, the utopia of cronyism in healthcare that they had hoped for. So, would you say that's almost sort of a silver lining to uh, the Affordable Care Act? That you know, it's it's pushing so many people out of that normal insurance market that we've we've been so trained to just blindly follow. We just go and sign up for insurance, and that's what we do. Uh, do you think that these, these regulations have really finally made it? clear to so many people that, you know, it really is a scheme in many ways. It's a scam. It's, it's And especially now that you're literally forced at gunpoint, you go to jail. And, you know, ultimately, if you don't buy insurance and you don't pay the fines, that's that's the ultimate result of all this stuff, of, of laws like this. You actually see this in a way as pushing people more towards free markets, having people look into these alternatives? It it really has. And and once again, you know, it it's the beauty of this whole story is that the government just never gets anything right. I mean, they build a gun and then they load it up and they shoot themselves in the foot. And that's Obamacare. It is it's a disaster and it's it's forcing people to take hard looks and it is giving an opening to those who are willing to take a fresh look at, you know, the applicability of free market principles to healthcare and and the deflationary trend here in Oklahoma City is very, very strong, and it won't be it won't be much longer that you know these big carriers and the brokers that sell these policies they're just simply not going to be able to justify what they're charging for these policies. 
And, you know, these policies, you know, the reason that one of the reasons we have Obamacare, nobody wanted to buy this trash. Nobody wanted to buy the insurance that was out on the market. It was a horrible product. It was way overpriced. And so, you know, a lot of money was laid down in Washington, D.C. to basically force the American people to buy a product that they didn't or a service that they didn't want in the first place because it didn't represent a value. I think that's a struggle. Uh, for people on both sides of the political spectrum to accept that the cronyism that is Obamacare and is supported by both sides of the aisle, it's been going on a very, very long time. And, you know, thankfully, you know, we have the power and the beauty of the market to rectify this. And it's happening in spite of all their all their hard work to make sure it doesn't happen. You use the term cronyism there, and this is a term that I, I sometimes get in trouble for using because people people think I, I'm being you know ultra political or, or hyperbolic. You know when I mention crony capitalism or crony companies, can you kind of expand on that term a little bit and just explain you know why you use that term cronyism and what exactly it means? Like what is the the nature of the relationship between these insurance companies and the government? Well, you know, I ask people all the time, how would you like to sell a product or service, the purchase of which is mandatory? I'd love to. <laughs> and that's, yeah, I mean, do you think that's a moneymaker? So we open the paper every day, and here's another article. Somebody's bragging that 150,000 people in the state of whatever have now signed on to Obamacare. Well, really, what choice do they have? That's like someone at the Department of Motor Vehicles bragging about how many people have license plates. <laughs> or somebody who is a blood diamond mind overseer bragging about the low rate of child unemployment. Right. I mean, what choice do they have? I mean, so this is a this is a situation where if you know if I have a product like electronic health records for which there is a small market, and I don't feel like I'm making as much money as I want. Well, I can either improve my product and, and step into the free market and demonstrate a value, or I can go to Washington, D.C. with my checkbook, and I can just start spreading money out everywhere so that the government creates these laws that make the purchase of electronic medical record systems mandatory. And then now you have all these billionaires that have you know, just come out of nowhere because they're creating these worthless electronic medical record systems. So, you know, you, you either step up into the market and, you know, people people recognize voluntarily and purchase your product as a value voluntarily. And that, that's the free market. And if you serve poison food at your restaurant, then people stop coming there. But if you pay the legislators to make sure there are no more restaurants in town other than yours, then you can sell the most, you know, foul food and you're still probably going to have customers. And that that's the way cronyism works. It, it basically takes the focus away from having the consumer be empowered to having the you know the seller of the service be empowered and, and they purchase these favors and there's no more no industry that is more contaminated by cronyism than healthcare and it's the insurance companies it's the, the big hospitals that you know in front of the camera they decry all of these regulations but behind the veil you know, they're smoking cigars and laughing because they know their smaller competitors cannot possibly comply with some of these uh, huge, just awful regulations. And, and that makes the smaller guys more amenable to a hostile takeover by the big players. So these are the kind of things going on in healthcare. And there's so much of this. Uh, I, mean, I couldn't even scratch the surface talking about it in an hour. Well, Dr. Smith. 
I'm wondering what has been the response. You've mentioned a couple times the sort of uh, deflationary effect of you guys posting your prices. So I'm kind of curious about what kind of response you've gotten from maybe other doctors in your community. Are, are people, are any doctors upset that they kind of have to start talking about their prices as well? Or what, what has that re- response been for you guys? Yeah, there's on both sides. There are people who are in physicians who are seeing the wisdom of this and they know that you know, what's been going on in this country in the healthcare industry is not sustainable. And they see this as a, you know, a common sense, fair, honest, ethical you know, alternative. Then there are those, you know, who, you know, have a patient walk in and the patient says, well, you know, how much is this surgery going to be? And the surgeon says, I don't know. And so, well, that's too bad because the surgery center down, you know, down the street, they will tell me. And so I'm going to go to their facility. And Obviously, the doctors that are having patients walk out of their practices are not real big fans right now. But the number of people that are gravitating to this idea is growing at a huge rate, so huge that along with a couple of others, I formed a national association, a free market medical association. It's an umbrella under which all of the players that they're inclined to embrace markets in medicine are gathering. And it's You know, it's an attempt to put the buyers and the sellers together and get rid of these just blood-sucking mercenary uh, intermediaries and just get rid of the ticket scalpers and, you know, have an honest price. No, my apology to ticket scalpers. They actually provide a service. Right, right. You know, these intermediaries in healthcare typically do not. You mentioned a little bit earlier, which I thought was really interesting, how – you know, when you first opened up, a lot of your patients were actually Canadians who were kind of, I guess, on a sort of a healthcare vacation. And, you know, a lot of people in the United States will sort of take healthcare vacations if they need a major operation or dental surgery. A lot of people will they'll go to Thailand, they'll go to Singapore, they'll go somewhere where medicine is, is so much more affordable. And, um, you know, but, but a lot, what I hear from a lot of people, it, who must not be aware that so many people have to, f- to flee this country to get good medical care sometimes. But I hear a lot of people reference Canada and, and say, well, you know, that's what we really need. We need single payer. You know, this is why these we need, we got to get rid of all these crony, these insurance companies. You know, they'll even get on board with me, but then they'll, they'll take a different turn than I would. And they'll say, yes, we need single payer. And they'll point up north at our friends in Canada. So what is so wrong with the Canadian system? What is wrong with the concept of single payer? What, wouldn't that just, you know, make everything easier for us? Well, the the problem with that logic is that the person that is advocating single payer believes that what we have in the United States represents a failure of the free market in healthcare. What we have in the United States is actually an absence of the free market in healthcare. If you want to look at what does the free market do in healthcare, you look at plastic surgery and you look at LASIK surgery and you look at what we're doing. Um, if you look at countries that have single payer health systems then you see a disaster. I mean, you see, you know, the National Health Service, you know, in Great Britain is admitting to using their Liverpool care pathway to euthanize people for budgetary reasons. The stories of the waiting lines in Canada are are coming out with more regularity. All of these uh, countries that have single payer, they punish people by making them buy, uh, basically pay with their time. So, you know, for instance, some of the Canadians that first showed up here were women who needed hysterectomies because their uh, bleeding was so heavy, they were having to have regular transfusions. At the same time, and all the while being told, 
you know, we can get you in to see a gynecologist in three years, and then you'll go on the waiting list for your hysterectomy. In three years? Yeah, and so, so there's lots of ways to make people pay, and one way is to make them pay with their time. But, you know, all these countries that have single-payer systems, they ration care, you know, with either, the, you know, restricting the availability. Uh, in this country, care is rationed by the federal programs and HMOs by using price controls, and, they, and it works very effectively. And it basically it forms it forms lines. So single payer is is not the answer, but it typically is the answer that someone gives who believes that what we have in the country now is a failure of the market when really it's just an absence of the market. We just gotta give it a give it a fair shake and, and look around and see see what's happening at our facility. You know, we have patients that that print out our price list that live in Georgia. And they walk into the hospital or they walk into their doctor's office and they say, you know, the surgery center of Oklahoma will do my surgery for $3,600 all in. And, you know, you've quoted me $40,000. i am flying to Oklahoma City. And the next thing you know, that hospital is matching our price. And that's, you know, it's true competition. That's how the market works. And, and that, that's what the market does. That's the power of the market. And, and that's what's going on uh, with this free market medical association and this movement and, we're, we're very excited and watching where this is going. Well, Dr. Smith, while we're on the subject of free market medicine, I would be remiss if I didn't take a minute to talk about our sponsor, Health Excellence Select. Now, until last year, I was just like you guys. I saw my health insurance cost double and my deductible skyrocket thanks to the Obamacare health insurance mandates. Determined not to participate in this corporatist scheme, I sought an alternative and found out about health sharing, a fantastic concept in which your monthly fees go directly to pay the medical bills of others, not into the pockets of some crony capitalist fat cat. Health Excellence Select combines health sharing with a patient care personal assistant, 24-7 phone access to board-certified physicians, and discounts on dental, vision, and other benefits. The best part is that for most people, plans with Health Excellence Select are much more affordable than Obamacare insurance, and it meets the legal mandate, so you will not be fined for using it in lieu of insurance. For more information, head on over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. Dr. Smith, I'm curious about your staff. Do you get a lot of doctors that, you know, have been contacting you guys about joining the staff? You know, people that have, you know, people in the industry that have heard about what you're doing, heard about this pricing system and have said, you know, I want to be a part of this. I, I just want to, I just want to be a doctor. I don't want to deal with all this bureaucracy. Have, have you gotten a lot of that? Is your doctor staff like kind of, uh, and I guess philosophically aligned with you in similar ways? Yes. And, and we are definitely in a growth mode. More commonly, I get inquiries from people outside of Oklahoma who say, you know, we, we've had several patients walk out of our practice to come have their surgery there. What, what are you doing? Can you help us, you know, adopt the same sort of business practice model that you have because we want to get in this space? So and we are growing, but even more importantly, there are many, many facilities and physicians all over the country that are gravitating to this idea and it's and it's growing at a, at a huge rate so in, in some ways you know you're seeing surgery centers of Oklahoma pop up all over the country and it's it's a great thing for patients because you know they don't have to travel to Oklahoma City to get these prices as much as they used to now, I've always kind of thought as someone who pays for my health care out of pocket I've always thought you know 
Knock on wood, heaven forbid anything major happens to me. I've always thought I would pick up and, and head to Thailand or something like that and take a vacation to get whatever services I needed, uh, knowing the state of, of that care in this country. But you know, I, I can say now, now that I know about you guys, definitely my first stop would probably be uh, clicking on this price list here over at the Oklahoma Surgery Center and uh, at the very least shopping this thing around or considering you know taking a trip to Oklahoma instead of maybe flying halfway across the world you know, to get something done. And I, I'm sure uh, you know, as more people find out about this, as more people seek alternatives to Obamacare as more people seek ways to get the services they need outside of this increasingly expensive, increasingly difficult to navigate system. I, I do think that we'll continue to see a trend of you know more facilities like yourself, more doctors like yourself breaking away and just trying to get back to being doctors. I mean, at the end of the day, that sounds like it's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get around all this bureaucracy and all this nonsense and, and do what you you know originally started, You know why you got into the, the field of medicine in the first place, to exchange a service with somebody directly not to you know not to be part of some cronious system not to force people to come you know use your services or anything like that so uh, i'm really glad you're doing what you're doing uh before i let you go why don't i just give you one second to you know plug the surgery center of oklahoma how can people find your facility how can they get in touch with you and find more and you know i do see you have a blog there so i'm not going to let you uh, get off the hook without promoting your blog a little bit too I have, a, I have a blog, and uh, our website at Surgery Center of Oklahoma is surgerycenterok.com. There's a link to my blog there. Also, there's a YouTube page link at the top right where I've done uh, several video blogs that are useful for some people to watch. And, and if, you, if you're looking for pricing, you, you can come to our website, but it, you can also go to another website at marketmedicine.org. And that's the website of the Free Market Medical Association. And you can see if there are physicians or facilities in your area that, that have embraced these ideas. And, you know, you're then very likely to call and actually have someone quote you a price. So it, it's, a, it's a very exciting, very exciting time. And I've never been more excited about my practice or about the future of medicine than I am now. And I think this optimism is spreading amongst those who are real true lovers of liberty. Well, I'm excited, too, because yeah, I always like to uh, – there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world, but I always like to find the silver linings. And I think one of the silver linings to Obamacare, to all the problems in the medical industry – is the fact that, in a way, forcing people to look for freedom and look for look for these alternatives. So I'm so glad that you're kind of a leader in this field of free market medicine. It sounds like a crazy thing that uh, free market medicine would be a new idea here here in the United States of America, of all places. But in many ways, in many ways, it really is a novel concept. And and I'm glad you're out there doing it. So, Dr. Smith, I really thank you for joining me on the show today, and I wish you the best of luck. Mark, thanks for having me. Thanks. Take care. Hey guys, it's Mark Clare here, lionsofliberty.com, where we strive to advance the ideas of liberty daily. We bring you the Morning Roar! That's right, every Monday to Friday we'll have a brand new edition of the Morning Roar, where we provide a roundup of some news stories that you may not find in the mainstream media, or even in your typical social media news feed. We find stories that relate to the ideas of liberty and provide you with our liberty perspective on them. We wrap it all up every Friday with Felony Friday, where our own John Odermatt goes out and takes a look at some sort of felony. There's felonies committed every day, you know, whether it's a felony committed by the police, a politician, or even an average citizen. You can find all of this and so much more over at LionsOfLiberty.com, advancing the ideas of liberty daily. Your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare.
All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Dr. Keith Smith of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. And it was really great to have this conversation and especially to have it with an actual medical doctor because this is a subject I talk about a lot. Healthcare, medicine, and you know how the market is distorted by cronyism, by government licensing and regulations. And I can talk about it all day till I'm blue in the face, but at some point, it's nice to have an actual doctor on to discuss this stuff with because... The way I look at it, the doctors are the real victims here. You know, when I say that our corporate medical system is sucking people dry, it's not the doctor's fault. These are the last people that I blame. I think most doctors are like Dr. Smith. They went into medicine in order to help people, to exchange a service with others. It doesn't need to be as complicated as it gets made out to be by all sorts of government policies, because there are all sorts of government policies that do make it complicated. We can look all the way back to the beginning, to the origins of the corporatism of this industry. We can look at the Flexner Report. Look it up. Look it up on Wikipedia. I will link to it in the show notes. Basically, this essentially created the American Medical Association, and they set the standards. They decide how many medical schools there are going to be in the United States. They decide how many doctors there are going to be in the United States. They decide who is legally allowed to provide medical care, and if you don't meet those standards, if you don't get certain degrees from these certain accredited universities, well, guess what? You can't provide medical services to people in this country. And as Dr. Smith mentioned, you can't really be an amateur doctor. Not that doctors should be amateurs, but when you have a coercive system which comes in and says, none of you here in this landmass, the United States, can provide medical services unless you follow these exact guidelines, well, we get an industry that's artificially constrained in many ways. You know, so many people out there think free market medicine is terrible for whatever reason. They think it's fine that we get our sneakers on the free market, that we get our cars on the free market, but when it comes to medicine, they'll say, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. We need the government to get involved in this one. This is too serious to leave it up to the market. Well, I think it's too serious to leave it up to coercion, to leave it up to entities such as the AMA, such as the FDA, to come in and, and have a monopoly over the medical industry, essentially. And, you know, people will come out and, and say, look, 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 look at this story from Obamacare. Look at this person who was helped out. And I don't deny that people can be helped through government policies. Of course they can. There wouldn't be such demand for them if people weren't, you know, actually being helped at some point by these policies. Yeah, some people are helped and some people are hurt. <laughs> Every single policy is going to have winners and losers. We don't have to look at, does this help someone? We have to ask, is this moral? Is this just? And the problems go much deeper than Obamacare. You can even look back at the Hill-Burton Act, as Dr. Smith mentioned, which basically created the government hospital system. The more coercive control there is over any industry, and there certainly is in so many ways in the medical industry the worst things are going to get. It's pretty simple. When things are becoming more and more corporatized, when the industry is more and more cronyist, dare I say fascist, <laughs> talk about hyperbolic words, talk about words that people get fired up by, but that's what it is. Literally, fascism is when corporations combine with government to craft laws in their favor. Go check out the Lions of Liberty podcast archive, lionsofliberty.com slash podcast. Look at Episode number 17, where I interviewed Professor Carlo Celli on the origins of fascism. And you will see a lot of compelling comparisons to today's economy. Who knows how many people have been injured or have lost their lives or couldn't receive care because of the structure of the medical industry. Because it is so artificially restricted and constrained and prices are so artificially inflated.
What we need is better philosophy, a better way to approach things. Handing control to a couple of monopoly organizations, mm, well, it's not philosophically sound, that's for sure, and it's the results are apparent. But what do I know? <laughs> I don't know much, guys. I'm just a guy with a microphone. I've said it before. I'm not trying to dictate how the world would be. I'm trying to have a conversation. You can join our conversation. Join us on our social media, facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty, over on Twitter, at Lions of Liberty. Have you heard about our new forum, the Lions of Liberty Forum on Facebook? Great place we can have conversations. You can come and interact with us, interact with our contributors, ask questions for our guests, comment on our articles. I'll link to it in the show notes here as well. The point is... In order to improve these things, I think just about everybody agrees the medical industry is messed up. Just about everybody agrees the healthcare industry is messed up. What we don't agree on are the solutions. But it's going to be very difficult to get people to agree on the solutions if they don't agree on the why. And they don't realize why it is so messed up. Speaking of healthcare, (laughs) this coming Thursday, we're going to have the return of our almost popular and our almost fun segment called Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. Don't worry, folks, we do it safely. (laughs) We don't drive afterwards, but we do get together, and we do have a few adult beverages, and we do talk about some hot-button topics. I don't know what they're going to be. I can't preview that, because we go into this thing with no script, folks. This coming Thursday, Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. Please join us, and until then, folks, live long and live free. Can't get the song out of my head. It's just, it's, I'm, it's the greatest theme song in, in podcasting history. I'm just going to toss it out there. Ron Branch.